This is the podcast for October 15th, 2010. It's not safe for work. Recorded live from the Carl Palladino Temple of Interfaith Understanding, it's The Professional Left with Drift Glass and Blue Gal. Poor Carl. I love the guy on, I don't know who it was on the Stephanie Miller show this morning, who said, you know, I didn't mean to offend the gays, but the Jews made me do it. (laughs) I know. For those of you out there who, who, A, know who the hell Archie Bunker was, and B, think Archie Bunker was a fictional character, ladies and gentlemen, Carl Palladino. Carl Palladino. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And And he is that dense, you know. Yeah. Well, And the thing is, you know that at, you know, on November third, after the votes are counted, forty-six percent of people in New York will have voted for him. Yeah, or forty-four percent. I mean, he'll get some numbers of millions of people who vote for him because they're angry. Well, and and if you, I swear to God, Blue Gal, if you did a door-to-door survey of these people and knocked on their door, Carl Palladino would open the door. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, oh he's just, just like them. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God, you know the, who, the people who really do. Send you know internet horse porn. Oh yeah, because hey, that's just what you like. This is what like instruction. That's funny. what guys are yeah. like. Yeah, yeah. And then but, turn around and and get bent over you know the gay but pride. You know parade. he's not like them because he's apparently according to Rachel Maddow he's hiring himself or his renting out his own building and uh, depositing money in the bank that leases from him and using his livery service as transportation for his campaign. And so there's just so much money recycling back to Carl from his, his own and this campaign. seems to be very illegal, t- illegal, but also typical. I yeah. mean, th- this running for profit. Well, he's well running yeah. a losing campaign for profit is something that uh, you know it it appears as though Christine O'Donnell is doing. Well, so he's a thief. Mm-hmm. See, I would I would never have guessed I would I would never have guessed banking. I would have guessed livery. Well, he he leases a building to a bank. Well, he remember. then deposits money in his campaign bank account is gotcha. at that bank. See, so I had, him, I had him pegged much more in the waste disposal. Uh, <laughs> and I uh-huh. dabble a little bit in personal loans. Yeah. yeah. And vending machines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When, when Carl Palladino fails to pay off Car- the loan that Carl Palladino yeah, incorporated, he gets his made arm him, broken. Does he break his own arm, or does he job that out to somebody who gets paid by Carl Palladino International? <laughs> You know, the circle of filthy money life continues. Really? And really, you know, and, and the thing is, you know, you, if you if you pop this guy's skull open, I mean that metaphorically, you would not find a conscience in there. Yeah. Oh, no. no. There's no conscience no. at all in there. And that's really kind of the characteristic that runs through who are well, now. Well, maybe that's why he had to, um, he was willing to just read whatever the Orthodox Jewish people. The Leviticans. The, the Leviticans. real, real. Yeah. Tex Betsy, who blogs mm-hmm. at Relaxed Politics. Uh, is Jewish, and she brought up that there was not a single woman in that room. Yeah, can't be. You know, this no, is no woman this in the is, temple. You know, absolutely separation of the genders, and so not only is he homophobic, but there's some real uh, sexism issues involved here too. So, um, well, and you're a you're a much more you know thorough scholar of uh, theology than me, but I don't remember in the Bible where it mentions fedoras by name. <laughs> This has always greatly mystified me. That I, I think know. not, but yeah, you're supposed to keep your head covered. I think yes, but the, there's a, a specific brand or, or type of of borsalino. Well, or there's fedora. a strong tradition in in 
Yiddish and, and New York City Jewish communities of, you know, in Brooklyn, the hat maker. The hat, ma- okay. hat, hat makers were Jews. So, you know, mm-hmm. having the nicest hat in town is part part of the culture. Mm-hmm. But, you know. it's, but again, if, if you're, if you're going to be whipping around Leviticus, yeah. you know, as your, as your baseline, um, you know, welcome to the 21st century. Yeah. I know it's an uncomfortable place for you, but and, – and, and go with God. I mean that literally. Go with God and, and enjoy. And I think you're saying welcome to the 21st century to Carl Palladino. Yes. If, I, well, if, who literally who has such a complete lack of of awareness about what you yeah, know? If, if Orthodox Jews want to do what they do, then God bless them. I don't have a problem with that. But you, you give them a kiss on both cheeks, you say God bless and good luck, and you know. They but got when they keep, start getting involved in politics and handing speeches on homosexual rights to to a candidate, to a candidate and say read this if you goes, want our okay. vote, uh-huh. and the candidate does it, there's wow. so much wrong with that. Yeah. Theocracy, yeah. you know, talking about yeah. our blog against annual blog against theocracy. There it is, you know. My readers will find a post up from me because Mr. Mr. Andrew Sullivan today uh, mentioned this event, and you know he was, he, and I nothing. I disagree with nothing in his post. His post is fine, but that last little bit where he mentions that the G, the, you know, what this means is the GOP is increasingly not a secular political party. And I'm like, really? When did he wake up and realize really? this? <laughs> the, you know, and, and, and here's what I wrote for you know, the, and incre- in, in the same sense that increasingly the surface of the sun is increasingly not a temperate, fecund vacation paradise. <laughs> you know, congratulations for noticing, Andrew. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Eventually, it will be inhospitable for all but the most hardy of tourists. <laughs> and, and like, yeah, well, and, but of course, but of course, you have to, you know when you've spent most of your life. You know, lip deep in in the crazy with these people. You can't just turn around and say, "Man, I, I've been wrong forever." No, you but, have to have this sort of this sort of um, um, decompression period. Where, I guess that's what Andrew Sullivan's going through. Where, where you, you know, you sort of say, "I I have grown enlightened." You know, the party left me. It was never this way. They they've said, and like, no, well, dude, that's Carl- what, you know, Joe Scarborough's gotten that way with Newt Gingrich and just oh, saying, yeah. "Oh my God," you know, I am. He is off the charts and no longer represents yeah. anything about conservatism that I recognize. And he, and I do believe that Joe Scarborough was class of. 94. 94. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, well, this is the thing. Class of 94, 94 is, is an important year. 94 is uh, the lesson. I mean, and, and the thing about Newt from 94 is Newt hasn't really changed that much. No, no. Newt Gingrich has not changed a whole lot in his sensibility and his willingness to rip out your political throat and pander to the lowest form of humanity mm-hmm. to, to, mm-hmm. to make uh, a few bucks and a few votes. Yeah. Yeah. He's always been that way. He's always way. been a Georgia politician in that yeah. regard. Yeah, and he led, you know, and Joe, he led your, he led your fucking party. Yeah, and he was that way when he led your party, and he was that way when he was well, the speaker of the house. There's a big difference between running from rural Georgia and running from suburban Florida, which is what yeah. Joe Scarborough did. You know, mm-hmm. uh, well, and this, in terms but this of class, is the- in terms of what you have to say to get elected, et cetera, and how you have to code things, it's all very different. Well, and this is the base rising up. Yeah. You know, yeah. This is, these people were always your margin of victory, Joe. Yeah, yeah. You know, these people were always the people, Andrew Sullivan, these Good are the people that made yeah. Reagan possible. Yeah. These are the people that put Ronald Reagan, your hero, into the end zone and kept him there. These are the people that put George Bush in the White House. They're, they're your margin of victory by a long shot. You mm-hmm. take the Carl Palladinos, 
the Christine O'Donnells, the uh, the the Sharon Angles, and creatures and people who like think that. Sarah Palin is qualified to be yes. president. Yes. You take them out of your party, and you and it's nothing but you and Thurston Howell. Then it is exactly. Then it's a, then it's a nineteen percent. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. it's the yeah. it's the constitutional law party. It's yeah. the, you know, yeah. it's the yeah. it, you're a trivial third party. Yeah. The only reason Republicans exist is is these people, and now they've demanded to be taken Her, seriously. Heard, yeah, and, and 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 give voice to the party. And now you're on the line because now you either have to look him in the eye and say, "Nope, you're crazy." <laughs> so how do we segue from that to Rudolph the Red? <laughs> well, Democrat. Uh, because uh, I, I'll, I'll tell you exactly how. I'll, let me tell you exactly how. 1994 was the year that, that now hangs over the head of the Democratic Party in, in this way. It was the year of the assault weapons ban. Clinton bent a lot of arms to pass his assault weapons ban. Mm-hmm. And the NRA cleaned their clocks during the election and rolled it back. Right. It's, right. it's the, literally, it's the, yes. Yeah, it's literally. The, the, the NRA poured a ton of money, defeated Tom Foley, defeated all the people who Clinton – and Clinton later admitted that was a huge mistake. Mm-hmm. That he cut – he basically forced these people to walk the plank for no good reason since the assault weapons ban was right. rolled back. That was the reality in 1994. The overhang in politics in 1994. The overhang in politics now is social networking. Yeah, yeah. That's the new tool for politics. And – you know, I know it all seems fun in college. <laughs> I, I know it all seems. You know, remember what? Um, Posting um, everything you ever did to your Facebook page is. Yeah, is yeah. is well. well we what, should we should back up and give a little background as to what happened this week for you know our military listeners and so forth <laughs> who might not Wait. have heard about this Democratic congressional candidate. She's a Democrat, and her she has a stripper name. I'm sorry, but her name is Crystal Ball. Uh-huh. At which she claims is because her dad is a geologist or something like that. He named yeah. her Crystal. Okay. And she uh, is running for Congress. She's the Democratic nominee uh, in Virginia. She's a CPA, uh, licensed CPA. She has one daughter. Uh, she's on her second husband at 28, which is fast work. <laughs> but um, her first husband and she were at a party, apparently, Christmas party, mm-hmm. where she uh, led her husband, and I, I guess they were married at the time, but at, in any event, this is someone with whom she had a committed relationship. This is not her, uh, an affair. This is not a right. illicit not a thing. This is right. someone that, that everyone knew she was going with, whether he, they were married at that time or not, I'm not sure. But eventually, he was her husband, and she, in these photos that appeared on the intranets, <laughs> uh, is, leading him as, is leading him around on a with a collar and a chain, dog leash, and he's wearing a um, red dildo and uh, reindeer antlers. It's a Christmas party. His red nose is a sex toy. Mm-hmm. You know, that's all very... Cute and funny and ha ha ha. There, but there is one photo where there are two women with him in this photo, and one of them—I don't know whether it's her or her girlfriend—has the sex toy in her mouth while he's wearing it, which sort of pushes it over to from <laughs> wow. cute, cute, sexy time to public display of soft porn. You know. So it, it is assault weapons. So okay. <laughs> that's the segue. <laughs> that's assault the segue. weapons. Assault weapons. Then and now. Oh. Yeah. The news story now is that these photos were released and put out and exposed by Republican operatives. 
you know, mm-hmm. and I'm sure there was enough coverage for her opponent that, you know, he didn't directly release them, but some blog, some right-wing blog did. Yeah. And uh, she wrote an article in Huffington Post, and she's also been making the, the rounds of the news shows, including Fox, and she was on MSNBC yesterday, saying, look, uh, I'm 28 years old. We live in this world where women have a sexual past, and I'm not going to apologize for my sexual past. Then she went on to talk about Hillary Clinton standing up strong while parts of her private life were exposed. And then she said, I'm not going to compare myself to Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Wait a minute. So, wait a minute. Now, now uh, you know, a, a lot of people want to refer to me as a hero. So yeah. let's be clear. The, hero, the word hero is often overused. Uh, nobody called you a hero, honey. Uh, well, I meant Hillary. The word right. Hillary no, is I often, I'm not yeah. comparing myself to Hillary Clinton. But she yeah. went through exactly what I'm going through. And uh, so you're you're the Rosa Parks of dildo nose. (laughs) She's the Rosa Parks of dildo (laughs) nose play. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. So but it it does bring up uh, one of the commenters on MSNBC who was a conservative. I'm sorry. I don't remember his name said, well, you know, there is a double standard here, because if pictures like this showed up of Jim DeMint, he would be out. (laughs) I thought. (laughs) <laughs> That's because Jim DeMint isn't a hot 28-year-old, you yes. know. Well, part, and, and part of it is, this is what, I'm sorry, this is what gets me, is people who are clearly, and I, I say this without reservation, clearly using their sex appeal. Christine O'Donnell, Sarah uh-huh. Palin, uh-huh. Crystal Ball. <laughs> Jim DeMint. <laughs> As part of, you know, it, it's your it's your Q rating is right. w- how yeah. people react to you viscerally. Yes. And there's no way around that. If you're an attractive female that, you know, that, that can help you, it can hurt you, but it can help you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not accusing Crystal Ball, although, you know, there, she's been married twice now. She had an opportunity to change her name twice from Crystal yes, Ball did. to Crystal something else. And... <laughs> She decided, obviously, that Crystal Ball is memorable, you know? Well, her maiden name is Blue Persuasion. <laughs> Crystal, now I've got that song in my head. Damn you, Drift yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, when you choose to keep your name Crystal Ball, and uh-huh. and and then this comes up and you compare your... I mean, she's handling it very well. She's yes, she is. Comparing yourself to Hillary Clinton, she's going to be a hero to a lot of... Pro-sex feminist and good for her, but uh, uh, there's a cautionary tale here, Driftglass. Yes, yes, there is. That you can use your looks and your sex appeal up to a point, and then if you have been, if you have not been cautious about your public persona online. Intemperate, perhaps. Intemperate. If you have been intemperate in your public behavior and allowed photos of yourself engaging in that kind of intemperate behavior, Mm -hmm. uh, it's gonna. It it could come back and bite you on the butt. It, it, well, see this. Uh, see, I, I I have to take a different angle on this. Okay. It, it's an awareness, and it, actually, you know, what you said um, is what I used to tell my students, and I and when I have students again, I will tell them again. When I taught technology, it's all of the conveniences you enjoy are bought at a price. Mm-hmm. There will never be another unknown soldier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the American Army, because they will swab you and they will get your DNA and any remains they find, they, they will bury. Yep. That's a good thing. The trade-off for that is 
your DNA will exist on a database yeah. somewhere. With, and with the military. Com- yeah. And the insurance company will purchase it at some point because they have a skajillion dollars, and that's what they do. And eventually your DNA will be inside of a medical database and will be used against you. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's the trade-off. You can socially interact with your friends, and, I'm, and this is a case where you know it certainly looks like I, I would posit a scenario of a novelty gift-giving holiday party. Yep. Among friends, where everybody. Well, you and I a- talked about this in the pregame that you've been to parties like this. I didn't tell yeah. you. I've been to parties like this too, oh, yeah. where, where you- a woman took off her clothes because she was drunk. And no, no, no I, I've never been to that kind of. Party. Oh, well, <laughs> I've Ever. been to that kind of party, Ever. and she was but- whisked out of there by her date so well, fast sure. that you wouldn't have thought. She'd been there. It was no, just like, I mean, whoa, I mean, you're too drunk to be here. And it was she was gone. I mean the party where everybody gives each other a $12 novelty gift. Okay. And you grab from a bag, and she got this hilarious adult gift that she put on her boyfriend. Or, Wouldn't it be cute if you wore this? And they took a couple of pictures of it. I can absolutely see that being the case in this mm-hmm, case. Mm-hmm. But once those pictures are digitized and once yeah. they're on the web, they're there forever. Mm-hmm. And what I – used to tell my students was, you know, every time you put on a Nike T-shirt, you're selling your chest to Nike for mm-hmm. nothing. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you, you are volunteering to, becoming, to become the tool of advertising. And that's your choice. But understand that's what you're doing. Every time you take a digital photo of yourself and put it on your social network, you are giving your privacy away for nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a, a digital photo of you putting a red rubber dildo on your boyfriend's nose and leading him around on a leash is is hilarious Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. until it becomes the centerpiece of your opponent's political campaign now the reason it wouldn't it would bother me very little in this case is a you know i'm i'm highly forgiving of people making stupid mistakes in their 20s and b if she had been running as a fundamentalist christian yep you know, if she'd been, you know, exactly. If she'd been a member of Promise Keepers, yes, and then you know, boom, this like, comes like out. Ensign was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then I'd, I'd have a whole lot less tolerance for it. Yeah. But the I, the cautionary tale is really this: it's it's we are now we're not entering into. You know, this isn't an eventual thing. It's here. Yeah. If uh, I uh, was it Brett Favre or whoever it was this morning. I heard on the radio was was in trouble because he took digital photos of his, his wee wee yeah. of little Brett yes, and and yes. put it on boom and it's and all over the place. To a girlfriend and you know everybody wants to be on the cover of People magazine apparently. Yeah. You know since the Kardashians are now this is the society we live in where everyone wants a chance at fame because that equals success. You're not fully human. Yeah, but You're I, not fully alive unless you unless you the the spotlight shines on you. Right. And and so that's people terribly do, sad. It is. And people do increasingly weird shit to get into the spotlight. But I feel sorry for this woman. However, li- this is the world you live in. And, if, and you've got to acknowledge that fact. You've got to find a way to cope with it. And how each person copes with it is their own thing. I've had real fights with other feminists on the Internet over the whole women, woman at a frat party hypothetical which mm-hmm. isn't always a hypothetical, but do women at, who get drunk at frat parties put themselves in danger, or is that saying that a woman's asking for it if they get if they have sex when they didn't want to, regardless of whether what the situation was, if they drink too much alcohol, does that put them at a higher risk 
for being in danger. Just like you get behind the wheel of a car, you're surrounded by young men who have no frontal lobe connection Mm -hmm. and are all hormones, and you haven't... You don't have a designated girlfriend with you to kind of say, we've agreed that we're going home together, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and women and men get into situations with alcohol where people are not in control of themselves. And oh. I've been accused of, oh, there's a, that's a double standard, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I, I go back to Jimmy the Greek. <laughs> <laughs> and who doesn't really? Really. And really. Jimmy the Greek got drunk. Uh-huh. You know, was not in control of his mouth. Mouth, yes. yes, and said some really stupid things about black athletes and destroyed mm-hmm. his career in five yep. seconds. Yep, destroyed drunk. it, and he was drunk. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's what can happen. And I I really think we have to start educating every educating each other, educating young people. You know, in fact, I just had a conversation with my eleven year old this week because I was a little tired and it was. Four in the afternoon, I had some meeting I had to take the kids to, some school thing at six. And I just, I was tired. I said, ah, I'd really like to have a beer right now. Darn it, I can't do that. And my son, my 11-year-old, said, why not? I said, because I'm driving you somewhere in an hour. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to have a beer (laughs) if I have to drive you anywhere, even one beer. I'm not going to do that. Uh And I'll, you know, after we get back, I might have a beer, I might not, but... While I'm getting ready to do something that requires my full attention and responsibility, mm-hmm. I'm not going to use alcohol. And it's a it's a teachable moment. And sure. Crystal Ball, her situation is a teachable moment mm-hmm. for young people. Sure. You and I talked about this in the pregame, too, that both of us hate the idea of someone running for Congress from the time they're 14. Yes. You know, oh, I can't go to that party because, you know, that would damage my congressional chances. Yes. No. What kind of an asshole are you? (laughs) Yes. Yes. You've been raised in captivity. Careerist jerks who, Mm -hmm. no, I don't want people to feel that that's what they have to do in order to get elected. elected. You have to be this careerist asshole. No, you don't. But maybe you do. I don't know. Well, the, I think the, the larger problem is, uh, really and truly, is the collapse of the distinction between the public and the private person. Yeah, yeah. That the, the idea that every vagrant thought I, – I, I saw Aaron Sorkin being interviewed, uh, I think, by Stephen Colbert, which was you know a great meeting of minds kind of thing. And, and Stephen Colbert asked him, you know, you've directed this movie called The Social Network. Are you on you know, the, the Facebook? And I, I believe his answer was no. I, yeah. You know, if I'm having a really good muffin, I actually have to call people and tell them. <laughs> you know, the idea that every one of your vagrant, yeah. I, I'm having a poop now, I'll tell it, is is something you need to turn your pockets out and share with every fucking person yeah. on the planet. Is such an obscenity. But it, it's such a insidious thing. Because what it says is it sets the standard that there is no distinction between your, your public life slash professional life mm-hmm. and your private life. Yep. And there, the, the, there can the, be if you, but you have to make that decision these days. Right. I love that Drew Barrymore, who, let's face it, comes from a famous family. Uh-huh. The Barrymores have had a lot of experience in Hollywood, and mm-hmm. she was on a few weeks ago on uh, John Stewart. Mm-hmm. You know, friendly interview. He's known her for years. He hugged her. Oh, we were in this movie together, and you know, it, and it was two friends, two old colleagues, laughing and talking together. Sure. And uh-huh. he's and he said to her, "Now uh, you're romantically involved with one of your co-stars." And she just looked at him and said, "I don't talk about that." Yeah. 
And he said, oh, okay. <laughs> and they changed it. Moving he was, on. He was really quick to pick up and just well, say, and you know. And I was really impressed that she's not going to yeah. talk about something that so clearly would. You know, she decided that her relationship with this boyfriend or whatever kind of relationship they had mm-hmm. was off limits, even though it was part of the movie she was promoting. We met on the set. You know, she, that's supposed to be the thing you always talk about. <clears throat> well, and let me let me tell no. you something that that we as a this is a, this is a segue. So Mark lift down the segue book <laughs> as a blue collar liberal, which mm-hmm. is sort of how I was raised. You know, my my grandparents were definitely hillbillies mm-hmm. who read the Bible and read Reader's Digest, condensed books, and um, were working people, rough handed. Construction, heavy equipment, working class, liberal, uh, Truman-loving liberals. Uh, But one thing we were taught, for example, is when you go to court, you goddamn well better wear a suit and tie. Yeah. There's a public persona you have. It has to do with your job and church and court and public and running for office. And there's a private you. Now, there's a bridge between the two. And that is if you moralize for a living – yeah. If you make your yes. living off of criticizing the private lives and, and the private family habit, values Republican, then it's perfectly okay to drill into your personal life and to, and to haul you into the public square and call you a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. That's why hypocrites and Pharisees were two of Jesus' favorite groups. Otherwise, you know, what we were taught as working class liberal folks was there's the public square and here's how you behave there and here's the private square and how you behave there. And the reason I bring that up, Blue Gal. Yes. Is we got a wonderful email we from did. Ellen. Yes, Ellen. Ellen mm-hmm. wrote us, and, and by the way, we are going to have a longer dig into our mailbag over Thanksgiving week, and we'll be uh, reading your emails on the air. But interestingly enough, Ellen's email dovetailed perfectly with what we wanted to talk about today. So we mm-hmm. thought, oh, this is a perfect way to bring up <sighs> this topic, as you say, the blue-collar liberal topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you like me to read Ellen's email? Yes, you all read right. very, you you read uh, lovely. So, well, we're glad to have Ellen emailing and have it, all of you email. Uh, our email address, by the way, is proleftpodcast at gmail dot com. Mm-hmm. And Ellen writes: Blue collar liberals are more common than you imagine. I come from a long line of union members and Catholics who believe fervently in civil rights, workers' rights, women's rights, and social responsibility. Granted, the Tea Party seems to pull largely from blue-collar workers, but I can safely assure you that it is not the only position held by blue-collar workers. I was the first in my family on either side to get a college education, but I was never the only one reading and learning. Mm -hmm. Civilized political discourse was an everyday occurrence in my family, and I'll wager we were not alone. You weren't, Ellen. And you weren't, Ellen. (laughs) No. Absolutely not. We did, however, expect our elected officials to be more educated and knowledgeable than we were ourselves. Mm -hmm. I might have to qualify this by stipulating that this was at a time when you could be both lower middle class and blue collar before rampant outsourcing. I love your program and appreciate your efforts to make the progressive left heard, but I think you are selling a lot of Americans short. You fail to appreciate how how thoughtful many people without formal education can be. And cheat yourself of an audience who might appreciate you as much as I do. Oh, that's very nice. That's and it's true. very true. Yeah. Uh, we we need to wake up a little bit more, I think, or I do anyway, speaking for myself, Driftless, to the fact that there are blue-collar people who mm-hmm. uh, may not be formally educated but are 
smart enough to vote for their own economic interests. And, <laughs> yes, you know, that absolutely. makes them a lot smarter than the run of the mill Tea Party candidate. I also take uh, exception to her statement that the Tea Party seems to pull largely from blue collar workers. I think it, it pulls yeah. largely from blue collar retirees, and that's a yes. huge difference. It is, absolutely. Uh, is. Between blue collar workers, people who are actually working for a living, you know, in the blue collar community, recognize what has happened to manufacturing and recognize what outsourcing is and recognize that government needs to do something about that. And that if we let government go and say government's evil and let's turn off government, corporations take over. Well, and, and that's that's the point, the, the best political Backs and forth. I like having political debates. We both love having political yes, debates. And debate doesn't mean, you know, pleasantly chatting with people that agree with you. No. It means clashing with people who disagree with right. you. Right. And we both really enjoy doing that. And the best political debates I've had were with, you know, mechanics. Yeah. You know, yeah. Guys who operate heavy machines, people, you know, who had gone to war and come back in more or less one piece because that was the only job open to them. Right. And I might disagree with them on policy issues, but as long as the, the first card out of the deck isn't, well, the, the Kenyan socialist usurper, once you throw that down, I can't. I don't care where you're from or what your education level is. I don't want to talk to you anymore mm-hmm. because what that means is you have told me everything I need to know about you. Mm-hmm. And that is you're closed-minded. You are the captive of paranoid conspiracy theories. There's really not much point discussing, you know, the, the the niggling little details of tax policy with you or economic policy because you believe a lot of crazy shit, and you're you're gone. Yep. But but if well, the, and, and like you said, death panels. You know, if yeah. you're going to start talking to me about death panels, that's not a debate. No. No. <laughs> that's talking it's a to a lie. crazy person. Yes. Yeah. Even secondarily, if we start talking about death panels or we start talking about, you know, secret prisons in Peoria, yeah, Illinois built yeah. by Barack Obama, which is one of, and I can show you that no, that's factually incorrect. Whoever told you that was lying to you and here's the proof, and you're willing to say, Oh, I guess I got that one wrong, then we can have a lovely conversation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. about lots of things. Anything you want to talk about. But if you dig into your you know, oh, the doubling down is just insane. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Then, then we can't – and that has nothing to do with class at all. It has nothing to do with how much you make or what you do for a living or whether you have dirt on your nails or not. Or as, as Ed Schultz says, whether you shower before you go to work or after you come home from work. Right. It has to do with you know where your brain is at and how captive you are to a, a completely yeah. bullshit right-wing narrative. If you're completely captive to that narrative, I can't work with you. Well, and, and, and the and, fact that Senator John McCain voted for TARP and supported cap and trade, mm-hmm. you know, two years ago. Mm-hmm. And, Not, and you, no, he didn't. Yes, he yeah. did. I have proof. Yes, he did. I don't care. That's what, li- well, what, that, what else would a liberal say? What else would a liberal say? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Of course you're going to say that. You're a liberal. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Then mm-hmm. go, you know, be on your way. But that has nothing to do with whether your collar is blue or white. Right. Right. And we really appreciate Ellen's email. And we do. I, and I, I think she's right. I think there is – I think I can do more to sort of recognize the value of – well, and I do recognize the value of work, you know, regardless mm-hmm. of whether it's blue or white collar. Mm-hmm. The question is the politics of those people. <laughs> yes. that, that sort of talk needs to be uh, tempered with an understanding that – it really isn't about education and blue collar versus white collar. That's not, not the divide. It's reality based versus lacking in reality. And, that- and receptivity. Are you receptive to 
You know, are you willing to listen to me with an open mind? As we've just listened to Ellen. Thank her, and she has opened my eyes to something that I didn't really see before, so thank you. We're so glad to have you listening to us. Uh, we have a website where you can listen to our archives for free with no download. That website is professionalleft.blogspot.com. There is a free player there where you just click play on your laptop and you can listen away. Mm -hmm. uh, we also are available on iTunes. You can subscribe there. And we love to hear emails. Hmm? So we mentioned a number. We're, we're about to hit our... 75,000th listen, mm -hmm. which, which is, is just astonishing. We owe a lot to Crooks and Liars and Heather for that support. Yeah. And thank you, Heather, very much for uh, advocating for us. We really appreciate it. We've been at this for only 10 months. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, just tremendous, and we're very, very grateful to all of you for listening. Our website also has an opportunity for you to drop five bucks in the hat and help us to continue this work. We're really grateful. We get Every once in a while, we get a donation that's more than $5, and that's awesome. We're going, wow, every time that happens. <laughs> but those of you who click on that button and give five bucks, it's a way that you say to us, Hey, you've got my vote of confidence. Mm -hmm. And we're not, we never ask for more than that. Times are very, very tough. And we know that. Believe me, we're starving artists. <laughs> we know what? that. Yeah. But those of you that give us that little vote of confidence of please keep going, mm -hmm. uh, here's five bucks just so that you know I'm in your corner. Please keep going. It means so much to us. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, we, again, our email address, we love getting our emails, and our email address is proleftpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, it is such a gorgeous fall day here in Illinois. The colors are just starting to come out, and it's just beautiful. I'm wondering if the Internet kitties get to look out the window and see the beautiful leaves. No, the Internet kitties are sitting in the corner musing about how much Carl Palladino looks and sounds like a mobbed-up Gary Marshall. Hey, <laughs> Laverne, Shirley, hey, one squiggy dead, he's dead. podcast is produced under a Creative Commons license, copyright 2010, Driftglass Blue Gal Podcast.